Oh, oh, that is pretty good news. Uh, Let us pray. God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. So this morning, I went out the front door, and I picked up the newspaper that gets delivered to our front walk. This is the only uh, newspaper. It's the Sunday New York Times. It's the only newspaper we have delivered anymore. And we only have the Sunday Times uh, delivered. And we also get the Hollywood Star once a month. That's the Northeast Portland paper. It comes through the, uh, comes through the mail. And every now and then, I'll stop and get a copy of the Willamette Week, uh, which has a newsstand in front of the bakery I like to frequent on Fridays. But the rest of the week, uh, I read the news online. So I read the New York Times online. I read Oregon, uh, the Oregonian online. Uh, Google curates a news feed for me, things like CNN and Fox News and NPR and The Hill and Politico and a few others. Um, And I also get some news. uh, I also get the news uh, of whatever Stephen Colbert and uh, Trevor Noah are making fun of on their late night shows. But in today's New York Times, uh, there's an article on the front page about the war in Ukraine. Lives of three women brutally lost in Bucha. And there's two articles about the midterms that are coming up. There's an article about the pandemic. And inside there are articles about gun violence and the economy, climate change. And that's only Sunday. I know that for some of us, that is more than enough. Uh, that is more than enough for us to avoid the news altogether. It makes us anxious. It makes us angry. It makes us cynical. It makes us sick. Uh, earlier this summer, we went back to, New, uh, to Washington, D.C. to see our daughter, and we stayed at an Airbnb. We stayed in the basement apartment of a house, and when we walked up, the owner was sitting out on his front porch, and I chatted with him, and he said that that night they were having friends over, neighbors over. He said, we don't follow the news anymore. And this guy lives in D.C., right? We don't watch the news. We don't follow the news at all. Instead, we have neighbors over, and we play sequence, and we play rummy cube. And uh, yes, some of you do too. There are others of us, though, who follow the news voraciously. Newspapers, newscasts, news feed, news magazines, news podcasts. I'm one of those. And it makes me anxious, and it makes me angry, and it makes me cynical, and it makes me sick. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but I'm guessing there are a few people here today who could give us a succinct summary in four points of the debate that happened last week between Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance. And I'm guessing there are others of you that don't know the difference between Cary Lake and Crater Lake. But whether you avoid the news altogether and play rummy cube with your neighbors or whether you consume it in big gulps, there are times that the news imposes itself on all of us. For people of a certain age, they remember where they were when JFK was assassinated. I remember where I was when the shuttle Challenger exploded in the sky. 9-11, I remember that distinctly. Kathy Harder was the administrator at the time. I walked in, and she said, have you heard? A plane flew into one of, the, uh, one of the Twin Towers. Or January 6th of last year, the insurrection. I sat in front of the TV a long time that day. Whether we want it or not, there are times that news imposes itself 
on us. And the question for those days, and the question for me most days, is how to read the news or how to watch the news, how to follow the news so that uh, we are not only anxious and angry and cynical and sick, because sometimes those are very appropriate reactions to what we read or hear or follow. How, as we're trying to live out our faith every day, how to be engaged and aware and responsible and realistic, which often enough makes me pessimistic, how to do that and still hold on to hope and continue to be merciful and carry on the work of doing justice. So, I read the news. Well, it starts by asking what we mean when we say news. So when you read the title in the bulletin today of this sermon, when you saw the word news, what flashed into mind for you? Uh, was it a newspaper? Was it watching the nightly news on a broadcast station? Was it listening to NPR on your way to work? Or was it just a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach? What is news? What qualifies as news? And I don't mean just a formal journalistic definition, but what makes something news in our lives? So I remember an essay that was written, uh, this was quite a while ago, by, by Walker Percy. It was called The Message in the Bottle. And Walker Percy is better known as a novelist. He wrote uh, The Moviegoer and The Second Coming and um, The Thanatos Syndrome. That was one of my favorites. But he wrote a series of essays. One of them was titled The Message in the Bottle. And in this essay, he imagines a castaway on a deserted island. And as this castaway walks the beaches hoping to be rescued, there, there are bottles that wash up on the beach. And each of the bottles has a message in it. And the messages are things like this. Lead melts at 330 degrees. Chicago, a city, is on Lake Michigan. The market for eggs in Bora Bora, which is a neighboring island, is very good. There's fresh water in the next cave. A war party is approaching from Bora Bora. Those are two pretty different kind of messages, aren't they? Some of them are information. Lead melts at 330 degrees. True, not especially important if you're deserted, if you're stranded on a, as a castaway on a deserted island. But some of those messages are important. They're immediately important for that castaway, aren't they? It's fresh water in the next cave. A war party's approaching. Those are news. Those are news for the castaway. And Walker Percy went on to write, news is precisely that communication which has bearing on his predicament and is therefore good or bad news. News is delivered to be heeded and acted upon. So a lot of what passes for news in our news feeds or on social media is, is really more information or entertainment. A lot of it's advertisement. These days, a fair bit of it's propaganda. But news, news is different. News has a bearing on our predicament. It's news because it's important, because it impacts us, because it can't be ignored. So in the reading today from uh, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is in Nazareth. Nazareth was his hometown. No newspapers, but they did have scrolls in the synagogue. And so on the Sabbath, Jesus stands in the synagogue. They hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He enrolls it, and he reads familiar words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, the blind, the captives, the oppressed. And he rolls it up. He sits down with all the eyes of the synagogue upon him. He says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled. 
Jesus comes bringing news, bringing good news. Now, the Greek word for good news is uh, euangelion. Euangelion, that might sound a little familiar because it's where we get our word evangelism. It's where we get our word evangelical. And today, that's a pretty political word, isn't it? You can read the news. You can read about the evangelical block. You can read about evangelical voters. Well, the time of Jesus, it was also a very political word. Now, if you listen carefully, euangelion, you can hear in the middle of that, angel, angel, messenger. Angelos was the person who brought news of victory in battle. They brought good news about political victories. So the messenger, the angelos, brought messages of good news, euangelion. It's a very political word. So there's a decree that survived. And this might be getting in the weeds, but hey, I went to seminary. This is what we do in the seminary. So this word was used with reference to uh, uh, the emperor, Caesar Augustus. It was used in a decree that we still have extant uh, that was sent out on, uh, in the year 9 BCE. It was sent out on September 23rd, which was the birthday of Caesar Augustus. And the decree starts this way. About his birthday, right? It is a day which we may justly count as equivalent to the beginning of everything. And it goes on with that kind of flowery language for a while. And then uh, it continues, and whereas the birthday of the God, Augustus, was the beginning of, for the world of the glad tidings that had come to men through him, was the beginning for the world of the euangelion, of the good news. And the point of the decree was they decided it was such good news that they were going to create a brand new calendar for everyone to use that was going to start on the birthday of the emperor. Euangelion, good news. Gospel was a very political word. But the good news that came through Augustus, the Roman Empire, was news enforced by military might and raw power and the use of fear. Well, in Luke 4, Jesus unrolls the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, announces a very different kind of good news. The Spirit has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's the same good news that we hear in the Beatitudes, which in Luke are recorded in chapter 6. Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry now. Blessed are you who weep now. This is news. It is news because it has bearing on our predicament, because it's important, because it impacts us, because it can't be ignored. It is the news. It is the good news that God so loved the world. It's the news that the world and all therein was created in and by and for love. The news that each of us, all of us, all of creation is loved by God. It's the news that God in Christ is doing the work of love, of healing, of hope, of justice, of reconciliation. And love, love is always news. It is not just information. It's news that impacts us. It's news that can't be ignored. When someone says to another person, I love you, that is more than information. It always elicits a response always changes things. So a couple weeks ago, I was watching an old episode of Seinfeld. 
And if you're younger, Seinfeld was a sitcom that was very popular back when I was younger. One of the characters is George Costanza. He's kind of a buffoonish uh, character, but uh, he's at dinner with his girlfriend. I think he's had a glass or two of wine. And finally, he drums up the courage to say to her, I love you. And she looks up at him and she says, I'm hungry. Let's eat. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. If she had said, I love you, that would have changed everything. And she says, I'm hungry. Let's eat. That changes everything. For George, it becomes bad news. But that's the nature of love. It is news. It impacts us. It cannot be ignored. When we refuse love, it becomes bad news. When we refuse to love people in our lives, when we're hurtful, when we're dishonest, when we're selfish, relationships deteriorate. They fragment and fracture, and we end up with sharp and jagged, broken, dangerous pieces. When we refuse to love our neighbors, whether it's the people who live across the street or people that live on the street, when we refuse to love people of other cultures and countries, when our implicit biases, our explicit prejudices, or our xenophobic policies take hold, it poisons the possibilities for peace, for peace in our city, for peace on earth. And that's what we read about in the news every day. Jesus came bringing news, the news that God so loved the world. If we refuse love, if we refuse to be loved by God, if we refuse to love others, it becomes bad news. That's what the Bible calls sin. Even if we strive to live in love, though, it is hard hard news. It's hard to forgive people who've done us wrong. It's hard to share what we've got, especially if we're nervous that we might not have enough. It's hard for us to trust Jesus enough to love our enemies. Love can be hard news, but it is always good news because God is always love, because God's love is strong enough and durable enough and persistent enough to forgive, to forgive and to heal and to reconcile and to make us, and to make all things whole and holy. That's the news that Jesus brings. Good news for each of us, for all of us, for all of creation. And that's the news that we need to know and believe and trust to read the paper or to listen to NPR or to scroll through Google and not lose hope. You see, it's the conceit of humans to imagine that history is carried forward by our might and by our means. That was the conceit of Augustus. He imagined that history started with him. Start the calendar when I was born. History didn't end with him, though. It's the conceit of kings and presidents and corporate titans, tech billionaires, and most of us who read the news ever since. It's the conceit to imagine that we determine the course of history. Now, certainly, we have the capacity to impact history. We've been given amazing gifts for creativity and invention and beauty and compassion. We've also managed to destroy civilizations and inflict incredible harm on other people and damage the earth almost beyond livability. Jesus asks us to trust that there's a deeper, truer, more powerful news, to trust that history is being carried forward by God and by people living and acting and trusting in the power of God's love. Last week, I uh, read a, a short quote from Jürgen Moltmann. Christians were not pushed through history by the past, we're pulled by the future. And the future is God's. So we can read the news of the day, trusting that we are being carried along by deeper currents. We can read the news even when it's distressing and disheartening 
and know that we are still called to do the work of justice and love and mercy. That's how I want to read the news. I don't want to shy away from it because it's hard news or heavy news or bad news. It's important to be engaged and truthful and responsible, even if it makes me pessimistic. It's important for us to understand the impacts of our actions on the lives of others and on the rest of creation. But I want to be able to read the news and hold on to the deeper, truer, more powerful news of Jesus who came to bring good news to the poor. Proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, what does that mean practically? And I have not got this all figured out, but a couple of things occur to me. First of all, it means being discerning, critical readers of news, of news. I read a lot of articles about baseball, especially right now. And yesterday was a fabulous day to be a baseball fan. Nothing wrong with that. Baseball is entertainment. It is not news. A couple of weeks ago, there were a lot of articles about the breakup of Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian, which might be the first time and almost certainly be the last time those names come up in a sermon at Portland Mennonite Church. I'm sure that was news to them. For the rest of us, I don't know, I guess it's information maybe entertainment. I suspect a lot of it was actually advertisement for other things that they sell, but not news. It's important to ask what's news and what's not. What's worth paying attention to and what's not? There's a line in one of T.S. Eliot's poems. It's from, it's from Ash Wednesday, and it's a prayer, really. Teach us to care and not to care. Teach us to care and not to care. There are things worth caring about and things that are not worth caring about. So for all the content that comes our way, figure out what is news. What has bearing on your predicament, on our predicament? What needs to be heeded and acted upon? And that will help us figure out what to care about and what not to care about. And the second, it seems to me it's important for us to look for wider sources of news because most of the news that we read comes from powerful institutions and even respected sources of news. And I count the New York Times and NPR as respected sources of news. Those are all embedded in the systems of the dominant culture. But the good news that Jesus brought runs counter often to the conventional wisdom. It's addressed to people who were poor and hungry and sick and oppressed. And so it's important for us to hear those voices too. It's one of the reasons, only one of the reasons, but one of the reasons I'm glad that Street Roots is sold here. I love the whole concept of Street Roots. I love that we've gotten to know Nathan and Christine, but it's important to read the news in that paper because it's news I'm not gonna get anywhere else. I'm also on, on the steering committee for a group called Menopin. It's uh, in, our, in the US Mennonite uh, Palestine-Israel network. The voices of Palestinians, the voices of Gazans are rarely heard in conventional news sources. So it's worth looking for and finding respected sources to hear their voices. And if you're not sure, you can ask Chris or you can ask Esther or you can look on the website of Menopan because we got a list there as well. Another easy source for on-the-ground news are the partners that we already have as a congregation within our Mennonite uh, communion of faith. So for example, we talk about Mennonite Central Committee a lot around here, MCC. If you give almost any amount to them, they're gonna start sending you this magazine called A Common Place. 
And in this issue, there's notes about Paraguay and Honduras and Ukraine. Uh, there's an article in here about Uganda. And uh, there's a few other articles about a few other places, from Colombia to Bangladesh. Um, Mennonite Disaster Service. We just had some folks come back from serving with Mennonite Disaster Service. Um, behind the hammer, we have copies of this in the back. News from around the country and from Puerto Rico. Uh, we also have in the back Mennonite World Conference, The Courier. News from our brothers and sisters around the world. However you do it, though, it's important for us to look for wider sources of news. So, how to read the news. Karl Barth, who was um, a Swiss Protestant theologian in the 20th century, is uh, famous for having said, or at least allegedly having said, uh, take your Bible in one hand, take the newspaper in the other, and read them both. But interpret newspapers from your Bible. Read the news. It's important to be aware, to be truthful, to be responsible, and to be angry and active and engaged. Read your Bible, because it holds the deeper, truer news, the good news of the power of God's love. Thanks be to God. Amen.